Daf Tzadi Amud Aleph, inheriting indebtedness, Shniya veYoshea Kodmin. Here we learn uh, how far Chazal go in in thinking things through and thinking things ahead. So one of the things that we've had is the Chazal that the Torah is interested that girls should have it should be easier for girls to find shiduchim. So this is this is an important part. We see many many structures that are created to. Uh, facilitate the shiduchim of young girls, and one of them is that when a man marries a girl, he knows that she comes with certain assets. She she's not a generi, and certainly in those times, the girls were themselves not producers of income. They were not. Uh, uh, they didn't work. They, so, so when he marries this woman, she's an expense. She's not a revenue source. But but to know that the father who is a revenue source has invested in the in the daughter and she comes with some of the father's investment. However, there's a concern. The Chazal also want to remove all the barriers to the father's generosity. But the Torah wants to make sure that a father who is, has has financial resources invests them in his daughter and gives her that advantage. One of the barriers to that is you just see how far Chazal go in understanding people's concerns. The father could think to himself, and don't think it's so far-fetched. People do. If I give my daughter my assets, and she marries my son-in-law, and she might predecease him, he might then marry another woman. They might have many children together. And my assets land up in the hands of my son's step of, of my daughter's basically stepchildren, the 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 children of the second wife. They're not even my grandchildren, and my grandchildren get outdone of their inheritance. So to solve for that, we had back on Daf Nun Bet. We've, we've actually learned it before. The idea of Ktuvat Benin Dichrin. So the, the Chazal allow the, 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 the a person to write into his Ketuvah that, if you have a, have a look at the source, the mission on Daphne and Bet, the son can write. So, so now you've got to go in, you've got the wealthy father, he's worried that his daughter's inheritance is going to go to other children. So he makes the deal that the boy who's marrying his daughter writes into the ksuba. Any sons we have together will have first claim of your nadunya, of what you brought into the marriage. If, if, if you die and then I die and I've already got another wife and other heirs, your sons will be able to inherit what you've brought in. So what would normally happen? Reuven marries Leah. And and Leah and they have children, and Leah dies, and then Reuven marries Rocha, and they have children. When Leah died, Reuven inherited Leah's assets. Now she he marries Rocha, and they have children, and then Reuven dies. Rochel's children now inherit the assets that Reuven inherited from Leah, who she got from her father. So the father's estate is now moved out to, to children who are not his grandchildren. And we're worried that the father will, that, that will hold him back from being generous. So the husband writes, any children, Leah, you and I have, if you die and then I die, those children will, the first claim will be what you brought into our marriage. Only then 
Do all the children share the the the, the um, estate? And even if he didn't write it, says the Mishnah, it's a tznai bezdin. That's implied in a marriage. So the din of ktuvat benin dichrin is implied in every marriage, so that the assets of the father-in-law remain with his grandchildren and not with the children of a second wife. <coughs> That's how far Chazal think out the family dynamics and what could go wrong in it. Uh, and then the Gemara there explains why that is. Now, based with that knowledge, we can look at our Mishnah, which is the first Mishnah of the 10th Perik. And the second part of the first Mishnah says, Nasat harishona umeta, umetu. So he marries Rachel, he marries Leah, and she dies. He remarries Rachel, and then he dies. Now there are two claims on the estate. Now you've got the children of the second wife. That's the, the children of Rachel. What are they claiming? They're claiming their mother's ketuva. They, they, their mother brought him money. They want their mother's ketuva. And the ketuva benin dichrin, Leah's children are saying, yeah, but our, we've got a ketuva benin dichrin. We've got a right to inherit what our grandfather brought, gave to our mother and brought into the marriage. So you've got two different claims on the ketuva. The second one, Leah and her heirs claim first. Explains Rashi. There's a subtle difference in the nature of the claims. She, the second children, what are they claiming? On what basis? They're saying our mother had assets that she brought into the marriage and, and we're heirs, we want, to, we want those assets. So we say you're claiming as Yorshim, you're claiming as, so you're claiming as Baalei Chovot. You're saying your father... Our father, our father owed your mother, mother ketuva, and you've inherited that indebtedness. On the other hand, the children of the first marriage are claiming ketuva benin dichrin, and the way it's worded in the ketuva is daha inun because it says there, your, our children will inherit from me. So if you look at these two claims on the estate, they're slightly different claims. One is the claim of a creditor, and one is the claim of an heir. So now we've got to look at which claim comes first. If you've got a creditor who says, I, I am owed, the estate owes me money. And you've got another bunch who say, I'm an heir of the estate, I own the, the estate, is mine. Which one comes first? So the din is, you first pay the, the debt, and then you split what's left over. So who are the ones who have the debt? The second, the mother, the children of the second marriage, because they're claiming ketuvah. Children of the first marriage are claiming on the clause in the ketuvah, which states specifically, you will be my heirs, you will inherit what your grandfather gave your mother, and she brought into our marriage. You'll inherit that, so you're heirs. But the second ones are saying, our mother's ketuvah we want. So, so we're, we're claiming it as, as Baalei Chov. And even though we discussed yesterday in the Tosfas, read this, this new idea that a woman's right to a ketuvah is not an indebtedness. It's a real right. It's not a, it's not a Chov. But still, it, it's treated in this Mishnah, it's treated as, as compared to the inheritance, it's complete, treated as a Chov. So if we just look a little bit more at the technique of what actually is happening here, we get an, a very interesting principle in Halakha. 
The Tosfus Yomtev asks, based on the Gemara on the next hour, the Tosfus Yomtev, Tosfus Yomtev is a 17th century, really important mafarish on the Mishnah. When you learn Mishnayas, you learn Rav and Tosfus Yomtev and Tiferes Yisrael. Those are the three perushim on Mishnah to make sense of the Mishnah. The Mishnah is very brief and short. You need the Rav, it is like Rashi. You need Tosfus Yomtev, who is Rabbi Yomtev, Lipman Heller, uh, it was a rov in Prague. It was a Talmud of the Maharalmi Prague, and it was a rov and a dain in Prague, and later on in Krakow. Very important God will be Israel, very broad knowledge and education. And he writes the Tosfos Yomtev on the, on the Mishnah. And he asks, what happens in a situation where there's nothing left except there's enough to pay, to pay these people? We have a principle on the next Omer that there has to be at least a dinar, at least one cent, one dollar, that is inherited according to the laws of the Torah. You can't have a creditor take all the assets and then there is no kium of the law of inheritance. The law of inheritance doesn't take place. The father leaves an estate and the creditors take it all and there's no execution of inheritance. So says the Tosfus Yomtev, but the way it works here is as inheritance. The way the children of the second marriage are paid is through Nachala, it's through inheritance. Shekeshemet, because when Reuven died, Naflu Nechassim Lifnei Yorshim, all the heirs own the, the estate. At the moment he dies, the heirs now own, own the estate. Uch and now the children of the first, of the second wife say, but we're owed money, we're creditors. Eilu ve'elu osin mitzvah lifroach Then the estate has a mitzvah, to pay the debt of the father. To who? To the children of the second wife. So it goes through two steps. It's not directly to the children of the second wife. An amazing Kiddush of the Tosfus Yom what, what happens here is, it's inherited by the estate, and the estate pays the father's debts. To who? To the children of the second wife. So the mitzvah of inheritance is taking place. It's happening. And, and why is that? Because it's a mitzvah to pay the father's debt. The he, he, Yerushatan. And that's their inheritance. Their inheritance is to be Mikhaim, the mitzvah of paying their father's debt. What kind of mitzvah is it? Rashi says on Daft Sadi Aleph um, that the mitzvah is Mishum Kavod Avihen. It's Kibudav. And the Shukhanoruch says in, in Simon Kuf Zayin, yes, it's, it's Kibudav, but if there's no inheritance, if there's no estate, you don't have to do that. What happens? Father dies, leaves no money, but he leaves a lot of debt. Do the children have to go and pay the debt of the father? Says the Shulchanoruch in Kuvzayin. No, they don't. And the Vilnagon says, because we've established, you, although a child has to honor a father, he doesn't have to pay for it. You, you, the, you, you, honor doesn't mean necessarily with money. A child doesn't have to use his own money to honor the father. He can use the father's money, but he's, the honoring the father, kibbutz avayim, is an action. It's not an, in, it's not an investment of money. That's not how you do kibbutz avayim. You do kibbutz avayim in the relationship. So if the child inherits nothing, he's not obligated to pay the father's debts. But if the child did inherit, then you have to pay the father's debts. Why? Because of a mitzvah kibbutz avayim, not to leave the father with a reputation of unpaid debts. So just as we said yesterday that the that the din of Eved Lovel Leish Malve, that the indebtedness of a borrower to a creditor of to a creditor goes even after the debt is repaid, that status is still there. 
So the din of kibud avaim happens even after the father has passed away. Uh, that's why one of the reasons we say Kaddish for a, for a year, whereas normally for a relation, a close relation, it's only for Shloshim. For a, for a father, it's 11 months. And the reason is part of that is Kibbut Aveim. You honor a father or a mother even after their death. And one of the ways of honoring, says Rashi, is to make sure that he's not left with unpaid debts. Do I have to pay it from my own money? No, says the Shukhanach, only if I'm left money. So, so that, that's how it happens here. The, the estate goes to the heirs. The heirs pay the first, the children of the second wife because they are bale chov, they are creditors. They're not, they're not heirs. Then after they're paid, what's left over can be shared out among the, among the children in, in the way that halacha, halacha defines. Uh, but to understand here the sensitivity of halacha, both to setting up the daughter well and then to making sure that the uh, din of kibbut avaim is, is fulfilled, that, it, that heirs, that children, don't take the father's assets and leave the debts unpaid, thereby damaging the father's reputation, but that they invest in repairing the father's reputation and paying the debts.